enjoying your day? Yeah, I am, man. I'm in a recording studio right in at the moment with a band. So, um, yeah, it's a re- just like a cool, uh, it's a great place here. So, yeah, I've spent a lot of time here at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to come up from the the, the, uh, the booth and come up to the, uh, have a chat about music as well. Oh, effectively a quick break, but they get stuck, um, well, doing the media rounds, as it were. No, no, but I love this. I love this because um, I'm, I'm not, it's not Lost Alone that I'm doing here. So, like, I get to talk about my band to you and then, uh, go back downstairs it, it it's always intriguing it's always fascinating to me to always get that perspective from any artist um whatever band when it comes to this you know the long build towards an album release and the process that you've got to go through the things you have to do the interviews um the repeating of uh points about the album and stuff like that whether or not you really enjoy it or it's something you can actually get into man i love it i love talking about well i love talking about music and then i love talking about my music I, I don't uh even on the most extreme like you know a day full of it i don't care like what's better than talking about music and making music and yeah so today i'm making music and then i'm coming up and talking about music so it's just so cool i love it yeah just the third one and listening to music as well yeah exactly well Stephen, well thank you so much for taking the time to do thank the- you thanks for having me man it's uh well well one week one week well, one week until release mark for your brand new and fourth album, The Warring Twenties. How are you feeling about it at the moment? Are you at that stage where you're kind of just desperate to get it out and get it heard by the listeners, fan base? Oh, no. I'm definitely, I, I mean, because um, it was made, it was finished like a year ago. And the whole, the, our whole idea was because we kind of been away and then we knew at the end of 2019, we're getting back together. And we were ready to like kind of go, hey, we're back. And look, we're playing these massive gigs with Mike M. And then all that got delayed. So we were kind of like, it's way better. We don't want to announce we're back and just be like, hey, we're back, but we're not doing anything. So we're like, we, we had like a two-year period where we knew we were a band and we knew we had this wicked, you know, our next gig is a stadium and we've made a record and we just kind of sat on it and just went, okay, cool. Like, we'll sit on it. So it was crazy. How hard was it to kind of keep that out? I mean, out of the press, really, to a certain degree? I, I just, because I, while the band wasn't together, I, my like day job is writing songs and being in studios. And I've also made a couple of solo albums. I would like, and, and Mark and Alan, my Lost Lone bandmates were so frustrated because I was posting all this stuff, like pretending I was doing my own album and they couldn't like, they were sat next to me. I was like, can you just be out of the shot? So I had like loads of stuff to be like, Hey, I'm doing this. So the people who like, People, I think generally people who like Lost Alone kind of followed me into like the solo stuff I'd done. And they were like, I'm looking forward to the, the next album. And all the time I'm like, yeah, make a Lost Alone record, but not telling anybody. And it was kind of cool. Like a few of our, we, we really like only told a few friends as well. Because let's be honest, we're not, it's not like, I'm not comparing us to like, you know, a band like Mike M who like, you know, word got around, you know, we, we have a fan base, but it's not like we're like one of the biggest bands on the planet. But the people that do like our band really like our band. So, we wanted to keep it special. So uh, it was just the exciting part was that day when we knew it was like Thursday night and we knew on Friday morning we were going to go, oh, hello, we're back. And the way we said we're back was we're playing stadiums with Michael Coromance. And then two days later, we were like, oh, here's a song. And then three days later, we were like, oh, and also we made an album. It was such a fun thing because it was the, the thing you really always want to do and never gets when you when you plan albums it never goes that way but this was so perfect because it was like 
da-da, and then da-da, and then da-da. It was like <laughs> such a quick thing. So yeah, it was, it was really, that was like the really fun part actually of just like reappearing. And and a, a positive out of a universally negative period to get to be able to do it in such a way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously like, so the, the way it like really happened for us and with all that was this, um, this November 2019, I won, I'd won a cruise to New York randomly. Um, seven days on the QM2 with my own balcony on a stateroom and all this. And I took my little recording rig with me. And um, I was going through this weird thing, like, well, because I've been writing a lot in Nashville and places like that, I'm flying on my own. And I was not used to that. Like, I travelled a lot with the band and stuff, but being a, being a songwriter now, like, I was going to really far from places on my own. Like, you know, to see, I'm quite a confident person, but the anxiety of, like, going to Nashville and then just being on your own and meeting, mm. it's all weird, but... And this weird thing where like anytime I was above the clouds, everything just kind of felt possible. Like it's like kind of magical when you're flying and I'd write down, you know, get the band back together and I'm going to do this and this. As soon as I'd land, I'd be like, well, that's not happening. I, I was some kind of weird dream up in the air. But the, the cruise was like a more intense version of that. It was like seven days, seven nights, no internet, just living this like magical world on the Atlantic Ocean. Mm. And I was the youngest person by far because everyone else was like old couples. And because it was November, they wouldn't go up on the top deck at night because it was cold. Whereas I was like, so I like had the top deck of this like famous cruise ship walking around under the stars. And it really was there that like the band kind of reimagined itself to me. And um, when I got back, when I got to America, I messaged the guys and went, we're doing the band. I've had this like, you know, vision, it's back. And then, uh, but we were just like, it was like, it's gotta be fun. Yeah. The music, we we'll always take the music seriously, we always have, but towards the end of the band, like in the first era, it stopped being a bit, there was a business stuff, you know, like many, many bands, but we've said, as long as it's fun, so all it was was, let's just make some music, I've got some new songs, and then like two weeks later, uh, Ray and Gerard and Frank from My Chem got in touch with me, we're like, do you want to do our stadium shows? Like me, solo, and I was like, um, could Lost Alone do it? Because we're back, and they were like, because they're <laughs> into our band, they were like, yes! And that was when we thought the shows were in like four months. So we just recorded one of the songs I'd wrote on the cruise ship. And the way, and so to answer your actual question, was I was just rambling for ages. Yeah, it was like, let's get a song out. Cause we don't want to be some like nostalgia thing. We want to be a new thing. Like, And then obviously lockdown happened. And I just moved to London mm. from Derby where we're from. And suddenly, because I have asthma, I really did isolate. And it became a thing of like, oh, the, the show's been put back a year. Cool, let's do an album. And then it was put back two years. So it was like, I made that record, sat in my home studio, just a little room, and it was sending the drums up for Mark to do in Derby. Alan, our bass player, Alan in Carlisle. And it was just made like that. And then it was weirdly the most, without leaving my apartment, it was like the most geographically diverse record ever because we pulled in like friends like uh, Greg Wells in Los Angeles, who's made our second record with us. He mixed half the album and he's like, you know, he made the greatest showman movie. Like he's mm -hmm. like a massive, you know, he's done heavy stuff. He's done Adele. He's done Deftones. He's done the greatest showman. And I said, Hey Greg, could you, um, think you could help out? Like, I, and he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, really? And then Adam Noble, who mixed our last album, he just done the new Biffy record and Liam Gallagher. He mixed four of the songs. It was all like, it was such a lovely thing because it was all friends and it wasn't like big record label budgets. It was like, 
that they'd be normally definitely getting. Mm. It was like, hey, would you like to get involved in our record we're making while we're in lockdown? And they were just all like, yes. And then um, Ralph and then Shikari, he mixed two of the tracks as well. So it was all friends helping us make this record while we couldn't leave where we were in a pandemic. And uh, yeah, I just feel like dead happy that we managed to get these people, you know, you collect kind of like great experiences. Yeah. These were people that over the, so much stuff Lost Alone have done in our kind of time. It was like, well, you know what? Our best experience in America was working with Greg Wells. I wonder if he'd be up for it. Our best experience in the UK is working with Adam Noble. And then Rouse, somebody we've toured with, and me and him had done some writing for the people. It was just bringing in friends to make this record. It felt like a real team uh, approach, even though none of us actually met up once during it. It's crazy. It really is. It's an incredible, incredible story as well in regard, regarding the cruise ship and how that kind of sparked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would, with, all, with, with all of those people involved with the mixing stage and stuff like that, do you think like that would have happened if the lockdown pandemic period hadn't? Or is that just something that's kind of impossible to know? You know what? You're the first person that's asked me that. It's just freaked me out because I don't think it would have. Mm. Because I don't think I would have asked. I think that's the point. I think if it hadn't been lockdown, we'd have made a choice and gone, well, we were signed to Warner Brothers in America for our second album. That's how we got to work with Greg Wells. We've yeah. remained friends, but I know how much he costs. Yes. And there's no, like, there's, that's, not only is that not in our budget, it's not even in bands signed to majors budgets anymore because even just like eight years ago, whenever it was, that was, there was, there was still like for rock bands, it was like, I don't know, it was crazy money when I think about it. Um, but um, yeah, so to answer your question, I think they would have done it, but I don't think I'd have asked because we'd have gone, hey, we're making a record, let's choose one mixer here. Maybe we would have gone to Adam Noble because he's in England and gone, hey, could you do it? But I think I had a confidence of just messaging them because it was a more of a, hey, you know, the band, we've got the band back together that I know they love. So they were like, brilliant. And I was like, also, our next gigs are stadiums with ICAM. We just want to make some music. And they were like, on, we're on board. The first thing Greg Wells said was, he didn't even say yes or no. He just went, this is how we're doing it. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was like, oh, cool, like wicked. And Adam was the same. And it, it was just like, he really made me think about how nice it was. I didn't expect, I don't like ever asking things like that to people. I've never been like that. I'd like to be like, keep it on like, just because they made a record with us before doesn't mean I've got the right to go, hey, I know you're in this, like, I think Greg Wells was in the studio with Michael Bublé or somebody, it, it was with somebody like ludicrous when I was asking him. He was like, yeah, I can fit it in between like um, In the Heights movie and like Lin-Manuel Miranda. It was just something like insane to make our kind of like heavy rock record. And uh, yeah, it just felt really lovely actually. It really is. It's really put a smile on my face here to describe it as so. But take me back to sort of the early days of the album's inception. In particular, your vision um, and what it might have looked like. Did you have any expectations of what you should and could be doing? Yeah, I think um, it's a really good question as well, because I've always thought we made three albums, like in what I call the first age of Lost Alone, and uh, they always kept the identity, but they definitely sound like three different albums. We evolved because I, my favorite band's Queen and like none of their albums sound the same, but the four members make it sound like Queen, whatever style they were doing. And then my solo albums, I purposely kind of ran away from like my heavier roots, which is where I love, mm. because I was like, I, I'm not gonna, even though I write, write all the songs in Lost Alone, I'm like, 
I'm not just going to make a Lost Alone album on my own. I want to do something different. So I was more influenced by the other great artists I love, like Kate Bush and stuff like that. But then coming back to Lost Alone, the big question was, and I really talked about it with this, the guys, do I, am I letting myself go what the next Lost Alone album would be? Or are we trying to, do we take on like where, where time is now, what, what rock is now? And we made a decision to like, without ever trying to sound like we used to, what we did make a decision was don't be influenced by what rock is now. Mm. Do what, because we've always done that. Do what my influences are more like, are definitely not what my peers' influences are. Like my influences are Queen and ELO and Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and like Vanilla Fudge and like the, and Iron Maiden and um, not like there's there's great there's more recent bands around that I like but my actual heart is in that kind of time and you know like Madonna's records I feel influenced just because my mum listened to them when I was younger so the whole idea was they said to me just write what absolutely pours out of you and don't worry about what's going on and I think it's made it feels like the natural next record but it doesn't feel like we're trying to do anything to be like hey what would we do now it just feels like what we would have made next back then if that makes sense no it does make a lot of sense in fact before this interview i was um playing it through uh having obviously experienced your early the, the first phase as you uh said and yeah. i was very surprised by how much it felt like it belonged how long it had existed in the lost alone um camp. oh that's good that's really good that, that's nice to hear actually was there anything that happened over the period of writing and um, working on the album that kind of dictated the direction that you ended up going in yeah I think um I'm just trying to really it's really odd because this is such an odd album that I may the way I normally write mm. is I, I walk and I go places like I like to be like I, I don't want to sound like I'm jet set or something because it's not expensive to do <laughs> but like I'll just go to Berlin because you can really go there dead cheap and I'll go on my own and I'll walk around for like a week and I hear, I, I don't write, not like what I'm doing now when I'm co-writing with people, which is what I'm doing at the moment in the studio, but when I write my own stuff, Lost Alone stuff, I don't let myself touch an instrument until the song's formed, mm-hmm. lyrics and everything. I like to, you know, I know I'm not unique in that. Like it's kind of like Paul McCartney and all these kind of legends, you know, you hear, you hear it and it's almost like you can ruin it by getting to the instrument too quick because you, the second you play it on the instrument, if you don't get it exactly right, mm. you think you've got it right though, because you've played it, they like that's what it is. But the actual fact, the like I always say, I wish I was living in a time which I think we'll both be dead before this is a time, but where artists could release the record that's in their head. So I could just go, oh, I've made a record. Now you just like kind of like stream the actual, because no matter how much I love all the albums we've made. Even to the point of like going back to the first demo, I'll be like, there's a magic in that demo that was never, because it's the thing that, that spurt of creativity, you can't recreate that. And I know a lot of people now use bits of demos because mm. you can now more because people are making better demos. Like, you know, you can actually go, well, you know what, let's put that in the actual track. But um, yeah, so sorry, to actually answer the question, my normal way of writing of moving around a lot was not there. So it was... It was in my apartment and I was sat like I'm now. Normally when I do these Zooms, I'm sat where I made the record. This happens I'm in the studio today, but I was in one place and, and I, did, I actually didn't leave my apartment for six months, top floor apartment, because of my, you know, I was, I was isolating because I was worried about 
what this at that time, what this new you know yeah. lockdown stuff. But um, so I think like genuinely, like it was the most inward-looking record for me in terms of lyrics and how it music. Like I can't, I had to stop hearing Lost Alone music for all those years. That's just very easy. I, I could write a new album like this week. Like it just, it's more about stopping. It's never. I don't mean that to sound like an arrogant thing. Like I mean, like I've never. It's not hard for me to write my own music. Like, but in terms of like lyrics, which I love writing lyrics, but I really had to go more like there wasn't these kind of things you don't realize inspire you when you are moving around along. Mm. I was suddenly just like in an apartment. So um, there's a song on the album called Toy Ghosts, and I always think when I hear, uh, think about that song, I know I'd read The Queen's Gambit and watched the Netflix series The Queen's Gambit because there's so many chess references in that song, <laughs> even though I've been all metaphorical. But I was like, so I feel like I kind of did this, the, the walking around thing happened, but by me watching everything that's ever existed on the internet, on Netflix, or, or and reading, and they were kind of feeding into what... Um, you know, the first track of the album is called Enjoying the Dream. And uh, I think so many people who are creative can relate to two parts of that. One, the title, Enjoying the Dream, which is I have friends who, you know, work what you'd call like normal jobs, you know, and they'd say to me, oh, you're living the dream. And I'm like, no, I'm enjoying the dream because when you can't not do this thing, I can't, I can't not do this. Like, mm. I, I don't have a choice. Like, it's what I do. It is more of an endurance because it isn't always easy. And also you don't switch off at, five o'clock in the evening it's a 24 7 everything because i'm not complaining but i'm saying it is you have to endure what you are like i i am this thing that uh and in the same song it says ambitions and affliction every moment is a mission and that sums up the record and me in more ways than i could have i can't believe i wrote that line it, it's it's like they should put that on my grave um ambition ambitions and affliction every moment is a mission like you, you can't help it if that's in you like i i'm I get very down. Like, like the second I finish writing a song, I'm in this euphoric moment where I'm like three days of like, oh, it's happening, it's happening. And then the second it's finished, I'm so depressed that I'm not writing the next one. Mm. It, it hits me like a wall. And it's just like, um, I think it's a creative person thing. Like the, the real, cause you have to be very, I find like creative people who like I'm working with today, like you, you feel things more cause you need to have like, to be able to write songs. And it's not always a good thing because you really are affected by things and you don't realise you've been like a four-day black hole of just like feeling it all so much, you know. And also, oh, I guess almost as well, a level of frustration that, that, in, that the next le- next set of inspiration hasn't hit as quickly as maybe you would have liked. It's exactly that. You get angry. Like, why am I not? Why like, I'm so angry that like, I, was, I was literally so excited about this song and I finished it. Now I'm so angry I'm not in the next one. Where is it? Like, how come it's not here? And also, if you ever try and write a song, it's, it, ne- like, it never happens. I, I've never tried in my life. I've never gone, today I'll write a song. I just do. And I've, and I've really, now I do a lot of co-writing. There's no co-writing on any Lost Alone or last stuff, but um, now I do co-writing. I really, um, I've learned so much. And it's, it's definitely, and I've, the main thing I've learned is just write. Yep. And you'll do six things. And then the thing where you just turn and you have a drink and you're just fiddling. Oh, shit, that, that's the one. Not the one you spent two <laughs> hours trying to find. It's the one where you just stop and then go for a shower. It's always the shower for me. I'll take a shower in the middle of writing a song. And the, either the, the best bit of that song will come or a new one will come. And I'm like, so I now start with my phone. I now have my phone uh, outside the, the shower 
on my voice memo just on all the time because all my you could hear it on my phone you just hear the shower me going no 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 it's this one remember this one like it's crazy Oh, that's incredible, incredible. And considering you were effectively forced into this scenario because of the pandemic and COVID, your mindset and changing how you'd always done things and being forced to sit in and do it at home for six months, was that a struggle at first? And did you kind of find it got easier and easier as it went on and that it was better for you long term? I think it was almost the reverse way around. It was when lockdown happened at the start. And and if you remember, it was... We all kind of know what lockdown's like now, but we genuinely, genuinely, I was in Derby and they were talking, hey, there's going to be a lockdown. I was like, right. And it happened on my journey back to London. And it was actually a thing where we couldn't get shopping at the start. Do you remember everyone really panicked? And it actually was. So I have to remember, like, lockdown actually became a lot easier when it was like, you could easily order an online shop. You don't have to do anything because no one's turning to, and I'm just watching, like, a cool movie, and I'm working on my record. At At the start, I just treated it like, and I think if you've done stuff like I've done, like long-term album projects, I felt like I was so prepared. I just had the mindset of, I'm in a studio, I'm making a record. Mm. You don't really do other stuff when you're doing that. So I felt really prepared. The time it got frustrating for me was actually when we'd finished it and there was still another year and there was still intermittent lockdowns. And don't forget, like, uh, well, say to me, don't forget, not you, because why would you know this? But... um, it's the first time ever for Lost Away that we, we hadn't played together before we made the album. Mm. We made this, we decided to get back together, decided to start making stuff, then lockdown happened. So the record was made by me writing songs, sending demos to the guys, me then pretty much fully recording the songs and then sending Mark would then play the drums in Nottingham. Um, and obviously with great technology now, I could have headphones on and see him. And it was like I was in the control room and I could go, no, can you do it like this? And then Alan's up in Carlisle. So the, the frustration became towards the end, like, can we actually now get together and play these songs? Like, so it was kind of like, and it was obviously brilliant when we finally did. But um, yeah, for me, it was just like, we could have made a double album, to be honest, like the, the amount of time we were sat there. But we'd kind of gone, we're making a 10 song. Like, you know, you, we never made a 10 song album. We're like, let's make a 10 song, absolute in and out short record, which I don't think we'd really done before. It must have been incredibly cathartic, as you said, when you finally got a chance to um, play the songs together in person. Um, was was there a concern or were you instantly able to connect on like playing them in person rather than just hearing them? Yeah, so there was definitely there was a concern about how how would we even in the room like, you know, are we going to be good? You know, like, have we got a lot of work to do? So first, the first thing we did was not tackle the new songs we were like let's play some of our old songs together and and unbelievably or maybe very believable because the amount we were very hard working band like in the first era the, our schedule if we weren't on tour would be uh alan and mark who lived together would go to our rehearsal room which we had our own setup they go at 10 o'clock every morning they do bass and drums only and backing vocals to all our songs just work like that i'd come down at one o'clock with a new song We'd rehearse till five, the new song, and then we do set rehearsals and even. That was what we did. And so that paid off when we got back together after not playing a note together for seven years. No, six years it would be then. We uh, were like, oh, should we play uh, Crusaders? Yeah, started it. It was like, honestly, the next day after the last gig, it was just there. Like, the only thing we had to really rehearse was obviously then rehearse the new songs, which was fun. 
But the only real thing we had to do for the shows and stuff was more like get gig fit, like rehearse a set that worked. In terms of being able to play our song, it was just like, we were just laughing. We were like, how, this must be so, what, what punishment did we go through though, to make us be able to like not have done this and then just be as good? It was just <laughs> so, we, we honestly could have played like the stadium show like the next day after we played. It was that tight. It was, it was, we were just, we were just laughing at each other. But like our front of house guy who is kind of our really good friend and tour manager like, and our other friend who's our crew guy, they came down they were like, you've been racing for months. We were like, it's literally, it's, we were just all laughing. We were like, this is weird, isn't it? It was just there. Like we were just, it was a really nice moment. What a confidence boost as well though, particularly as you say, you're, you're going towards stadium shows. You're not going towards a 200 capacity yeah, club. It's, just, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that was definitely a, a weird, weird, weird and cool way to return. Overall then, how close would you say the final full album, one week to release, how overall, how close would you say it is to your original vision, what you set out to do to what it is uh, now? I, I actually do think it's, it's, the, it's exactly the record I wanted to make. Um, it's full of the, for me especially, and I like people listening to get their own like, vibes from it, but it, it it, it, I had to do um, for the bundles handwritten lyrics about three weeks ago and that was the first time writing out the same thing so many times I really realised like this thing I've thought about before which is my songs seem to be like messages to me six months or a year in the future because I do know what I'm writing about when I write them but I really know what I'm writing about six or seven months later when I go Oh, well, that's it's telling me what I should have already done. Do it now, or or this is what this is this is um they're just messages to me, I think. Um, but hopefully they're a bit more universal than that. But yeah, it feels like I don't want to say it's like a gateway record because um, that would be like almost to like deter from it being the standalone. But mm. for me, this record is like I made this in this weird way. Now let's make let's go to the studio next year and make like a another another record. That, that's my hope anyway. No, I, I get what you mean. I think there's a lot of that going around uh, in the in the industry at the moment. Full stop. Uh, albums and releases that were effectively made during the sort of pandemic period and lockdown yeah. have a almost a bubble around them. Even though it sounds completely and utterly you, and it's going to fit beautifully in your catalogue, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it just feels like that. I, I think I think um, a, a lot of bands, like you said, have done that. I think the only tiny difference with us was that because it was. Like a lot of bands have done that because they were about to go on tour. Oh, now they're not. Let's make another record, even though we've just made one. Whereas ours was this weird thing where like, we've had like a seven year gap and then made a record in a dead weird situation. It was like, it was like a dead odd thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like forced upon us to stop doing something else to do it. It was like, we've, we've got to, we are doing this now. It just so happens that, you know, we're in a pandemic. We have to do it in this weird way. But yeah, I, I really feel personally like it's going to be, it feels like a unique record in our catalogue and stuff because of that. I, I feel like more than any other record we've made, I know every nuance of what, what I, I can see in the songs what I was doing and more than other ones where I would have been somewhere and then gone here to do it. I just can, I feel my like apartment weirdly, like my, my, what my daily life was like in that record so much. You, it's almost like you you lived it more than you've ever lived another record before. 
Yeah, there, there was actually no escape. And, and also a longer period. I mean, you write songs, you rehearse, you go in the studio, but generally the studio period ends up on our records would always be like kind of four, five, six weeks. Whereas this was actually like two years in my apartment obsessing over a record. So actually, yeah, when you think about it like that, that's actually, you know, a year of the writing and recording and a year of mixes coming back and stuff. So yeah, it's that's a long amount of time. And, and, and I honestly feel, I can't wait for you to hear it, but I've got like five songs already ready for the next record. Like I, if I could talk to you about them, that, that's what excites me today. Just because I think that's what all songwriters are like, though. I'm proud of that record, but I finished it like, yeah, you know, like like ages ago, and now I just want other people to be able to hopefully enjoy. No, I completely get that as well. I'm always very conscious um, talking to an artist yourself um, about your current output. It's what we're here to talk about. It's out next week, but of course, it's over a year old. You're already moving. yeah, and and and, and it's but but also like in fairness, like it's great to talk about like this is different to just living with it. This is actually going, oh, because I've, doing these interviews, I've been just remembering and discovering and going, oh, oh yeah, like, like, it's really helped. It's actually, it's like about having therapy sessions. With, with, like, <laughs> like, it's actually really, because I just like boxed it. You almost feel like, it was the same with the the, sh the comeback, sh the shows we did with Mike M. They were talked about for so long. We made this record for so long. Part of me was going, I can't think of a time when this will have happened or happened. It was more like, yes, we're doing this thing. Oh, it's another year away. Whereas now it's actually really fun to, when you say it's out next week, I'm like, oh, wow, like it's out, <laughs> you know. Done. And that brings in the even more exciting part where you now then start to get fan feedback, listener feedback, where they yeah. to you what they're getting from the songs. And I think that's got to be an incredibly fascinating period. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we put out like three, four singles now, like in the, you know, around the Mike Kevin shows and in the run-up. And that's, you know, any any band or artist who tell you they don't love getting told that their song's wicked is lying. Because I, 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 I love it. Like, you know, just see, I'm seeing things like all the time, like, this is the best chorus Stephen Mattel's written. And, you know, like, because we never wanted to do this again. If I'd hate it if I saw anywhere, like, nowhere near as good as they were. You know, if it was something mm -hmm. like that. So we we did have a real high kind of bar ourselves before we even decided to be a record where I know when I let out of the mark here in one of my tracks, they never go, we don't like that. But I, I know when they really like something. And when they, a couple of tracks, they were like, this, this is massive. Like I was giving me the confidence to go, okay. And unless like, you know, people are hiding it from me. It seems like so far the singles, people have been like really on board. Like the fans we've had for a long time. And then, because of those big stadium shows we did, it's just so cool that there's like these songs, the first songs some of our now fans have ever heard, and they're getting to go through the back catalogue, which is what I love to do with bands I like. Um, so yeah, I I will be glued to social media when it comes out, just going yes, be, or you know, or, or don't you know, blocking people who hate it. Just <laughs> say that. It, it the, the positive response has been. It's been absolutely mesmerizing. We're not just talking about the singles. I'm talking about going back to the announcement that you'd return, that you were releasing a new album. To it's you, lovely. the My Chem shows as well. I remember reading tweets and stuff like that where people are like, oh yeah, My Chem, great. But also, Lost Alone. Yeah, it was, man, it was, it was so, honestly, we, it was so, I I was like, especially with the My Chem thing, you always think like, you're going to get comments like, why are this band supporting? Why aren't this? But like, I think specifically with them, because 
I think my chem fans know how much my chem like my band. Mm. And I do think that helps. I mean, the audiences have always been so amazing to us. And they know, obviously, I'm not my chem are a stupidly big band and my band aren't. But there's such a mutual respect between the members of the bands. Uh, we're friends and we love each other's bands that I knew that like the audiences would be like they were when we toured my chem before. I knew they were there for like, you know, they want to be entertained. And, and I know that we, because the guys in my chem and me have very similar influences and I don't know, it just felt, yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised by, I couldn't, I couldn't really believe how, because my band has got a fan base that's quite big, but it's spread around the world. It's mm. weird. We found this, like, we, we know it from pre-orders that it's because we toured with a lot of American bands and a lot of these massive American bands like Mike Hamill, Paramore, you'll pick up fans of theirs that haven't seen you. Like, we've, we've never been to Brazil, but we've got loads of fans there because Mike Hem have got fans there and they've said in interviews, check out Lost Alone. So we have this weird fan base that is spread thinly, but a lot. And so that was what was quite overwhelming when we announced that, like, from everywhere, people were like, oh, my God, no way. And it was just like, it just felt really cool, like, really cool, to be honest, really nice feeling. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad there's this air of positivity around you, the band, and the upcoming album. Before you go, then, I've got one last question, then, and sure. it's this. On the album, is there one particular track that you are most intrigued and excited for listeners to hear? Not necessarily your favourite, but something that you're thinking, okay, this is going to surprise the long-term fan base. Yeah, actually, yeah. And uh, it's a really good question because I've not been able to talk about this song because it's not, that question's not been asked. But there's, the album I think is the most relentless record we've ever made. Like, Because I like Queen. And that's kind of been my basis on everything. All our albums before would be um, a real epic opener, then a big heavy tr- track, and then more of a, well, you know, a pop rock, more of a, you know, and then a, a ballad. It, it'd be a real, I like the albums to be like Queen and Beatles records where it isn't like one thing, you know. This record isn't one thing, but it is definitely all relentless. However, right in the middle, there's one song called Lost and Found Balance, it's the first time we've ever done this. And it obviously was the circumstance as well, but it's just a song of me on the acoustic guitar. That's it. I think there's a little bit of like, I did some like magical kind of keyboard sounds, but it's just me, my voice, some harmonies. And that's like in the middle of the album. And the first line is, um, I heard you can't die at Disney. So that's where I want to live. Because I had heard that um, back in the day, I don't know if it's still true, but um Disney wants to be the most magical place in the world. So if anyone ever died there, they had a deal with their local emergency services that bodies would be removed and then declared dead outside the perimeter. So anyway, whether that's true or not, it made a great first line to this kind of really quiet um, song. So yeah, I think that's what will surprise everybody, not only long-term, because you've got this album that's just kind of going, and then just for like two and a half minutes, it's just a, uh, and it's all about Disney and it's all about theme parks and it's like a more beautiful kind of song and um, it's weird but weirdly it re- it kind of helps because I love vinyl to me yeah. it's kind of like the it's the palate cleanser before the next relentless kind of barrage on the second side yeah kind of waited that question uh, I was expecting or at least thinking okay that that that's going to come up because as you said it is a bit of a stop you in your tracks moment but in a really really positive way um, the war in yeah, 20- I hope so, yeah. 
Yeah, the Warring Twenties, it's out next Friday. It is an incredible album. Take my word for it. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. I've really enjoyed that chat. It's really cool. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our Big Cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL. Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for?